Sister Sister is a time. It's another time capsule. It's just like a. It's another cool time capsule, like to sort of examine, like I think, black life in the nineties. everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is a podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer and patron on Patreon and get access to after the episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the last seasons of the landmark ABC and WB sitcom Sister Sister. This series follows our protagonist twins who were separated and individually adopted at birth. When they reunite during a chance encounter and both they and their adoptive parents work at being an integrated family. Sister Sister took a lot of sitcom risks, portraying black girls and black families in a radically different, often much more autonomous way. So what made this series so captivating? Stay tuned. All right, everyone, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, stop right now and get on that. And if you have, here are just some um, details about Sister Sister to refresh your memory. The the series is a sitcom created by Kim Bass, Gary Gilbert, and Fred Schaeferman. It was released from April 1st, 1994 through May 23rd, 1999. It aired the first two seasons aired on ABC and the last four seasons aired on the WB. So it aired for a total of six seasons and 119 episodes. The series stars Tia Maori as Tia Andrea Landry, our first protagonist, Tamara Maori as Tamara Ann Campbell, our second protagonist, Jack A. Harry as Lisa Landry, later Lisa Landry Sims, Tia's adoptive mother. Tim Reed as Raymond Earl Campbell, a.k.a. Raid, Ray, Tamara's adoptive father. Marques Houston as Roger Evans from seasons one through four and a guest character in season six. Excuse me, seasons one through five. He was a, a principal character and a guest on season six. Ron Rako Lee as Tariq Scott. Tia's primary boyfriend, seasons five through six. Dion Richmond as Jordan Bennett, Tamara's primary boyfriend, seasons five through six. And Richard Lawson as Victor Sims, Lisa's boyfriend and later husband in season six. These are all of our major players. Let's get right into season four. Season four was 22 episodes. Okay, it was the girls junior year in high school. And this is the season of Roger Evans's glow up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like you have, I mean, yeah, that's literally how the, the, the first episode kicks off. Yeah, so Roger came back from wherever he was spending his summer vacation. And he's looking fine, you guys. He's looking real fine. And everybody noticed, not just Tia and Tamara, but all the other girls who never gave Roger the time of day. So Roger goes from, you know, this kid who nobody really wanted to becoming a player. He is two-timing Tia and Tamara um, with each other, as well as a bunch of other girls. Roger's dating about half the girls at school. I don't know how long he thought he would keep this up, but it's like, basically, you give a starving man some food. He's not thinking about, like, pacing himself or portion control, right? Um, you know, instead of juggling even two or three girls at a time, he's dating, like, dozens of girls at a time. Right, he... And, and like most most people, um, he inevitably falls... Uh, 
flat on his face. Right, right, right. So that's how the season opens. Um, uh, Marquez Houston, you know, sheds the geeky Roger persona and becomes the Batman of Immature. The, this really, you know, this season he channeled his inner Stefan. That is a Stefan Urkel reference for those who know. <laughs> um, and he just has this glow up. Um, it's interesting what this show did. So we get we got to see both Tia and Tamara date Roger briefly, which was cool because this is something that Roger had wanted for many years. But it never becomes something serious. It's just a one-off episode, which I enjoy. I think too many of these sitcoms like to just like, hey, this guy that's always been like hanging around, he's your one true love. <laughs> right. And, and it's not like that. He's actually really just like their one true friend. Right, right. I think they both realized from that situation that we don't really like Roger like that. And Roger realizes like, you know, I was fixated on these twins, but I have options. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, he does still, he still is, um, like, a part of the group. And he does um, serve, like, a really great purpose in, in that he d- is, like, their friend. And he participates in their sort of, you know, happenings on. And he's fun and funny. Right, right. And it doesn't... It's not a thing where, oh, they date Roger and then we never see Roger again either. It's like, okay, this was a little cute little experiment. Let's move on with our lives now. (laughs) Um, But this season was really, really great. Um, It's junior year. They're more confident in themselves. Um, More importantly, they're driving. Um, This season, Ray and Lisa buy the twins a Mazda convertible to share. Um. And which I thought was interesting that they gave them one car. I guess they know their children enough to know that they're always with each other anyway. Um, but the uh, they end up sinking the car in Lake Erie, you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Because <laughs> like, they drive to Canada. Right. And it's like, because Canada isn't really that far from Michigan. By the way, if I hadn't mentioned it before, this show is set in Detroit and the Detroit suburbs area. So Canada's not really that far from Michigan. It's not. It's not. Like you, I mean, I have family in Canada. And when we go to Canada, um, we usually go to Detroit and then we just drive um, because it's not that far. It's like a, it's like an hour. I mean, I don't know how realistic it is that they, can you enter the Canadian border without a passport? No. Okay, so yeah, that that bit was unrealistic. But they drove to Canada, they messed up their car, they sank it in Lake Erie, and then they decided to not tell their parents. And it's like, how do you hide the fact that an entire automobile is missing, ma'am? Right? (laughs) At first they they say, oh, it's in Roger's garage. (laughs) But then that story is quickly taken out when Roger comes over to get a ride to school. Right. And then Lisa and Ray actually see news news footage of the car sinking. Right. And like floating around in the lake for a while before it's submerged. Um, Now, I thought the way they handled this was really interesting. And it speaks to their class status, specifically Ray's class status. Because in any other sitcom, the black sitcoms, that most of the other black sitcoms that I grew grew up on, the family, the black family is either struggling consistently or certainly goes through periods of financial struggle, right? And this type of thing would have become a huge punishment. But they they punish the girls by just making them run around do a bu- doing a bunch of chores that they really need a car to do. Um, and, you know, Ray and Lisa have given them much harsher punishments for, in my opinion, much lighter things. Right. So the way that they handled this for me was like a marker of 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 their class like it was pretty much like them saying we're gonna punish him for lying but not for the car it's just a car (laughs) like (laughs) right which is weird which is weird and i've only ever really seen my white peers their families act like that um i'll never forget like i knew a girl and she totaled her car and it was like no big deal she goes oh yeah i totaled my car my dad's buying me a new one i was like wait 
what? <laughs> where did they do that? Like, where did they do that? Like, but it's 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 what happens. It's what they do. Right. Um, this season, we also see a little bit of friction from the twins. Now, this is something that I I thought we would see much sooner, but you know, they did get around to it eventually. Um, friction between Tia and Tamara where their parents are concerned. So mm. for for most of the series, it's in, the lines have been very clear. Ray is Tamara's father. Lisa is Tia's mother. And while they might do things for the other child, that's not their parent. And mm. in this season, we see Tamara feeling some type of way because her dad is spending all this extra time with Tia. Right. This is a really interesting episode to me. And it's one that I don't, it was, I mean, I thought it was very, I was fascinated by it because I didn't get like, I don't, it's not that I didn't understand Tamara's frustration, but I, but I, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not that I didn't understand her frustration, but there was a part of me that didn't get it because I felt like Lisa's been a mom to both of them so much like she's done so much like mom stuff for the both of them in equal measure so I didn't get why Tamara's sharing her dad in this way and and I think what happens is that like he they basically Ray and Tia realize they have a lot of common interests they both like the opera and um they both like a lot of nerdy shit um and so it culminates with Tia asking Ray to accompany her to like a father-daughter dance and Tamara is like, and it's it's the straw that breaks the camel's back for Tamara. But I didn't get why she felt that way considering Lisa has been so involved in both of their lives. I think it speaks specifically to the Tamara character who in large part or small or small has been shown to be the consistently more selfish twin. Mm, that's a good point. Like, she just is. She's much more selfish. She's definitely more self-centered than Tia as well. And I think that that's another part of the upbringing, not just being a daddy's girl, but being in a situation where her daddy could always really give her the things that she wanted, including when not limited to his time. Lisa is shown as always being this struggling working mom. She couldn't always give Tia the things that she wanted or needed and she worked a lot as well right I think this definitely speaks to the Tamara character and her issues and specifically how for the most part they were both raised like only children for all those years like they were the only child and how she had to get out of that mindset that her twin sister is like this accessory in her life and maybe just someone that she's going to have to share her life with, including share her father with. Right. Right. That's a good point. Um, but again, this is just my guesstimation, but I definitely thought it was be- it was good that they showed Tia being jealous over Ray or Tamara being jealous over Ray. Because like you said, Tia being jealous over Lisa's relationship with Tamara would have made no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have. I. I. It, it wouldn't have made sense. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't have been like a good fit. But but I like it. It's definitely it's definitely interesting. Another interesting sort of thing that happens uh, in this season is something that I had remarked on last episode is like we start to see some of the the friction of the girls constantly sharing space with each other happen. Um, mm. There's an episode where. I think it's Tia's trying to just do different stuff. She's trying to be away from her sister, trying to, like, have some space and separation. And, um, of course, Tamara does not respect uh, any of those boundaries because it's it's Tamara. What are boundaries? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but seriously, that is Tamara. She's like, Tamara, in, you know, in, in that regard, behaves as if she and Tia are one person. And we come into the show realizing that Tia is is a very self-aware person. Her personality is already set. I feel like on an emotional level, um, Tamara needs her sister more than her sister needs her. Sorry about it. Tia wants to do normal person things like assert her independence and cultivate her own space and be physically independent from her. And I thought that was good because... Um, you know, they're getting older. They only have one more year of high school after this. And 
that relationship, those type of relationships, yes, I understand they're twins, but that sort of relationship that Tamara wanted was an incredibly codependent one. Right, exactly. They also tried to pull a little Cupid this season as well and get their parents together. Oh, yeah. That was like, that's like a thing. They never, Lisa and Ray never told them about that kiss they shared in season one, which was, which was smart. Very smart. But then they try to do a Cupid. Um, I guess like, they think that, you know, Lisa has dated, Ray has dated, and this is just better for the family if they date each other. <laughs> right. A parent trap, if you will. Right, right, right. Except Lisa and Ray are not trash like those parents. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go... It, doesn't, it goes about as well as you would expect. Um, in that it doesn't really. But it's, it is interesting because we... Because, like, I, Ray and Lisa do, uh, or, or apparently have been, developing genuine feelings for each other. Right. And I, the other thing that this show does well, and I might have touched on this last episode, is that, you know, ultimately Ray and Lisa don't end up together. And that's okay. And you can raise a child with someone. And you might even have, like, chemistry with somebody, but have the 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 um the 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 foresight and like the self-awareness to understand that this isn't the basis of a long-term relationship and you'll not jeopardize your 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 family unit over maybe right right something else that happens this season is that like we have like a twin explosion in an in an episode fit for for nickelodeon uh the, I mean, it's crazy to me that, it, it, like, in a true, uh, we're going to get the kids to watch this. We um, have an episode with the Olsen twins as well. Right, right, right. Um, that episode was super cute to me, especially years and years later when I found out that the Olsen twins are not identical twins. Because the whole time on the show, they're talking about, like, I guess, who's the better twins? Um, but like y'all not even identical. You're just you're just um fraternal imposters. <laughs> but it was it was it was really cute to see like the most popular set of twins on in American television history be on a show about twins. That was that was cute. Yeah, that was definitely cute. And it takes place, I think, on on it's like it's on some type of Nickelodeon show. Like, um, I don't really know which one, but I do know it's Nickelodeon because the whole thing is, like, you get slimed, and that's that can only be Nickelodeon. Right. It's some. It's uh, it's a game show. So this was episode 19, and it's called Double Dutch. No, no, uh, no, no. That's not the, that's not the episode. That's uh, not slime the episode. Party. Slime Party. Yes. Our girl, Jack K. Harry, directed that episode, by the way. Hey... But yes, you, there there was that you know that green slime show that they used to have on Nickelodeon. Um, I don't know if they were on that show or if they were just trying to reference that show because copyright issues, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, it's a TV quiz show, and they were up against the Olsen twins. It was interesting um, because this is one of the few times, maybe one of the only times on television. That we have seen the Olsen twins together. Because don't forget on TV when they played Michelle, we only saw one at a time. Other than their movies, we've we never really see them together on screen. Right, exactly. No, that's true. So getting to see them together on a TV show was super interesting. And I don't even know that we I understood at the time that I was watching like a landmark moment, but we were watching a landmark moment, children. Right. It was it was like it was you know, shout out to those producers who understood that this would be, like, a moment that would live forever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, the season ends with um, an episode called Guardian Angel. And it's an episode where T and Tamara finds out that, like, one of her friends is, like, stealing. She's, like, a klepto. And it's, like... Right. And, and the friend is Gabrielle Union. Yeah. So this actually started Gabrielle Union hopping around shows on the WB. So after she started Sister Sister, she played a recurring 
character, the eldest daughter of a black minister on Seventh Heaven, um, like a black family that the Camden family were loosely acquaintance with. With, um, and, you know, she talked briefly about how these television appearances were paying for her credit card bill at the time when she was in between movie gigs. When I go back and look at this woman's career, how long she's been acting, how how you know, she really put the elbow grease into it, never stopped working. And honestly, just how well Gabrielle Union has aged, because that's crazy. Yes. I mean, she kind I mean, she really does look the same. Like, I know we say that about a lot of Black people, but like, seriously, she looks the same. Right, right. I mean, look, then and now, okay, then and now, I see like maybe she's aged about 10 years, but like, she's been on TV and filmed for like, maybe 25 plus years right um so i know what she's doing i mean especially when i compare her to her 10 things i hate about you co-stars Oof. Oh, i know and then not only her her co-stars in terms of the way they look but then also just like the sheer work the work volume you know what i mean the, right. the resume is like a lot of those she's a, she's outlasted a lot of those actors and actresses Right. Now I know my girl Julia Stiles isn't afraid of hard work and she was a child actress, but somewhere along the way, probably when she made that horrible Down to You movie, co-starring Freddie Prince Jr., her star started to fall. You don't need to. You you really don't need to if you love yourself. Um, (laughs) I will say this about Gabrielle. She is consistently um, a solid actress and she picks consistently intriguing material. Season four for you, like good, bad, or basic. I thought season four was really, really good. I like seeing some friction between the sisters because I don't care how much you love each other. If you are sisters and y'all y'all share the same bedroom, right? Or did they share a bathroom? There's no you're gonna want your space and that's gonna be an issue, period. Right, right. Um I'm gonna give you know what? I'm giving season four a good minus oh i know that's a controversial opinion okay i'm giving it a good minus because i'm i guess i'm wanting because other black sitcoms i think in the pantheon of black sitcoms are great at this and um and this being moving forward or like trying to deepen the show in some way and mm-hmm. even though that they're constrained to this sort of uh, situational even though they're constrained to this situational episodic uh, format. And they don't, this doesn't happen. And it won't happen in season five. And then it won't happen in season six either. Like, in fact, there's a lot of sister, sister that sort of reminds me of um, Sabrina, the teenage witch, which I think is Mm. on on the same WB network. They just sort of are there. Like, I'm sort of wondering, what is it, you know, that's keeping and I've And I've thought about this because I was like, okay, well, I, I don't think Smart Guy was on long enough for me to get there, but, um, to, or because I think, because Smart Guy was only, what, three seasons? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but we're, but I'm looking and I'm just like, I don't know, it's not, it's not happening for me. Like mm. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm I'm just sort of like, uh, like okay, I guess it's going. Mm. Right, right, right. Um, I will say that um, one of the things that made it good for me was um, Daphne Maxwell Reed, aka Light Skin Aunt Viv, who happens to be Tim Reed's wife. Um, guest starred as as his girlfriend Charlemagne this season and I actually enjoyed her as an actress so much more on those couple of episodes than I ever did on the Fresh Prince same. that's what elevated it to good for me same she she's great when she shows up she's awesome I don't she... know if it's because she's with her husband or because this is just a much better written character <laughs> same I don't know like I know Charlemagne is out here cheating on Ray um but like I would <laughs> Yak didn't have to write that. We could have just given Ray that steady girlfriend because they were so good together. They were. And, like, I mean, ultimately, they break up because, like, 
Lisa likes him, right? And she's cheating. Right. And then and then and then somewhere in the season four finale, um, I guess Ray decides that he wants to he wants to get he want he's like he's ready to move past his deceased wife and he's ready to move past Charmaine and he's ready to, you know, try something with Lisa, maybe. Right. So, um, but yeah, season four had a lot of intrigue with the adults and their relationships that I really liked. I liked that they had their own lives and they had their own stressors as well. Because a lot of these Black sitcoms understand if they're not being raised by a single parent, they're being raised by married parents. And we don't ever really explore those relationships. Those couples don't really have marital discord or marital strife. And so the the inner workings of Lisa and Ray's romantic relationships was made the show really interesting for me throughout. For you, it's it's good, right? Yeah, yeah. But no, I completely understand the good minus. I really, really do. Um, if you watch a show in succession, you might not. You might eventually just stop watching it and just have it on in the background, right? <laughs> yeah, like it, like it became like a background. <laughs> like I, I, I was just, I was like, oh, this can stay. This, I guess this is going to be just something that's on while I'm writing or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah. But season five, season five, we, we got a theme, we got a theme switch up. They've changed the theme. We have a new theme song. Yes. The girls are in their senior year. They made the the theme song much more funky. We have a, a cool little opening there. Um, uh, Roger Marquez Houston, um, he is still a main character on the show, but, um, it becomes very, very clear that like the show's trying to level up in some way. And we do see significantly less of him in season five. Um, and the girls start dating the boys who will eventually become their long-term boyfriends, Tyreek and Jordan. You guys remember Ron Rako Lee from Survivor's Remorse. He was just as handsome and charismatic back then. Um, yes, and Dion Richman, quintesc- another quintessential child actor. He's been acting since he was four or five. He played Rudy's best friend on The Cosby Show, a professional, basically. <laughs> you know, now that we're sort of going back through a lot of these iconic sitcoms, I, you know, we've got Ron Rialco Lee, who is on Sister Sister, but he's also on Girlfriends, and I'm like, and now I, and he's been on The Shield, and I. And I knew that, like, he was somebody who worked a lot, but, like, wow, he works a lot. Like, shout out. We love a working actor. We love somebody who's just good at their job, who just comes in and does their stuff and is really good at it and then goes home. Like, we love it. Shout out to you. Those bills got to get paid. And we love the work ethic. We love it. Um, it. And, man, this actor is, no matter what he does, it's believable. No matter what he does, every character he's ever portrayed, um, everything they'd say or do has a ring of sincerity. And for me, that is the hallmark of a really great actor. Same. Uh, agree. Wholesale. Um, if, I, if I believe what you're saying, then, then you got it. Now, Dayon Richmond, like I said, he played Rudy's best friend, Bud, on The Cosby Show. Man, did he have a glow up, because I didn't think he was going to be that fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. But yeah, um, they got them these two gorgeous boyfriends for this the show, and I love it. Um, now there is a little bit of friction initially because Tia is the one dating Tyreek, and Tyreek is one of Ray's employees, and Ray doesn't like Tia dating this guy because um, he was a juvenile delinquent at one point, and so you know he doesn't want Tia dating this guy so it becomes the first real friction that Tia and Ray ever have because Tamara argues with her father all the time right um, right but this is like the first real time that like Tia and Ray are at loggerheads um and they're both very stubborn people as we've both mentioned they are much more alike <laughs> um just like you know Lisa and Tamara are much more alike so her trying to convince Ray, that they, that, you know, he should give them a chance, give her a chance to be with this guy, just like you've given this guy a chance to be an employee, you know, give him a chance to change. Um, And, you know, 
for the most part, Tia is proven right. He's not about that life anymore. He doesn't want to to put that past behind him. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is also the season where the girls move into separate bedrooms finally. I know. Finally, they're getting some independence. Good for them because, woof, girl. Because I always thought it was weird they were in the same... I mean, we, I guess it's weird for me, but it makes sense if you've been deprived of your sibling that you'd want to be as close to them as possible. But I was like, I know Ray's house has more than three bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's legit. Um, oh, also, uh, something that, that's fun and cool that happens again is that, like, Taj Mahari shows up playing his, like, TJ character again, basically, from Smart Guy. Yeah, this is his third time guest starring on Sister, Sister, and he's been a different person every time. <laughs> the first Aww. time he played Tamara's cousin, the second time he played a kid uh, at the shopping mall with Santa, and now he's playing... Um, T.J. Hendrickson. And he's tutoring the girls on their SATs. Yeah, and he... But it's really just a con for for him to go to, like... They call it Bucky something, but it's basically Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Look, again, copyright laws. You, ain't trying to, <laughs> you don't want no smoke. We all know what Bucky Bucky fromage or whatever it was called is. Is. <laughs> um, because, and I, I love this episode too because it shows like a lot of the smart guy episodes that no matter how smart he is, TJ is still just a kid who wants kid shit. <laughs> right. Um, he, he just wants to do kid shit because he was like, I'm... He, because he goes like I'm a high ranking winner on like the 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 skeet ball thing or whatever. Um, also, and then I guess because so one of the big things, and you've been you've been mentioning this. One of the big things in regards to uh, sister sister in general is like the fact that they're always the girls are always like switching places or they're like trying to double as each other. So right. Roger finally gets his turn when he um when there's like a whole episode about Roger uh doubling for Batman from um Immature. <laughs> it's like a whole episode dedicated to it. Right. Um he was like, "You know what? You guys, I've been on this show like this is like my fifth season on this show now. Are you going to plug my group or not?" <laughs> <laughs> So I hate that because it's so true. <laughs> He's like, I really put in this work. Are we gonna plug my group or not? Like, what is yeah, it? Gonna, gonna help me support this album or what? Tell, like, tell me what's going on. <laughs> so Roger is a stand-in for Batman. We love it. By the way, side note on um, side note on Romeo, the one who wore the eye patch. Brandy's the reason he wore that eye patch, girl. She threw a book at him and injured his eye. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just oh, I'm gonna be cool with this eye patch. Brandy Norwood throw a threw a book at this man's eye. Um, <laughs> but we'll talk more about that on the Moesha episode. Um, but yeah, seeing immature was really cool. And then you know they leveled up. They became grown and they were IMX. And we saw a lot less of Roger this um season and then we only saw him on one episode for season six but at that at that point you know immature was you know making moves um they were touring and things like that they were headlining they were opening they were doing all kinds of stuff um right so it was cool to see that that little plug over there but T and Tamara switching, that was a whole thing, especially last season where um you know they've done all kinds of things take my spot and take this test for me or take my spot and take this yearbook photo for me. It was always a thing. Cause again, the only person who could tell them apart was Tamara's friend, Sarah, who we haven't seen since season one. <laughs> um, even though one of them has a mole on her face, but okay. Right. Mm. Like Tamara has a literal mole on her cheek, but okay. <laughs> And this is the season where we also meet their best, the woman who, the girl who will become their best friend for all of seasons five and six, Diavion. We meet her in episode four, Show Me the Money. And it's really cool to have them have, to see them have a steady best friend because they kind of cycle through friends, uh, kind of the way the Yvette character from Smart Guy cycles through friends. Right. 
Um, so we got to see them have like a steady friend. We also got to um, um, see the twins' 17th birthday this season. Now, it's it's important to note they turned 17. They're not turning 18, even though they're seniors. They decide to skip school and go to a boys to men concert. And I, 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 while I think it's like reckless as hell, I'm like, if you're gonna skip school, that's a great thing to do with your time. So, I mean, listen, uh, I love it. Like, I same. I feel like that's a very, if you're gonna skip school, that's a good use of your time. I'm not encouraging truancy, but this was boys to men at their height. Skip school, kids. Skip um, school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was really, really great. Um, but unfortunately, they a, a series of unfortunate events happen, and Lisa and Ray end up finding out. So right, so trash, trash, just, trash. trash. There's a part of season five that starts to feel like hardcore, like you're. Like your t- not your typical black sitcom, but like it's really going into like hardcore black sitcom territory with like all the bands that start showing up. We talked about this yes. about like how like all the bands have to show up in like a black sitcom for it to really be a black sitcom, and that's basically season five. So we get like Boys to Men, we get like Seven O Two, um, Immature, John. Montel B. Jordan was on the last season. Yeah, Montel Jordan, and then John B plays at the prom. I'm just like, oh, okay. This was a WB thing, and this I think this is when like WB really started understanding that soundtracks don't just make or break a movie; they can make or break a show. Because I distinctly remember um, at one of the school dances on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Savage Garden performed, and I was just like, oh, y'all got the Aussie band out here. It's a marketing tactic, definitely. Um, it's like a way to like market uh, a band uh, in, an, in an effective way, like on a popular show. Because I don't know. I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't really watch Sister Sister when it was airing. So I don't know like what season the show would have been at its like height of popularity. Right. I mean, I'm guessing, honestly, somewhere between seasons three and five. I just think that's the most logical, just because of the episode length and how long the series was on. Um, Maybe season six, their only season at college was probably the rockiest. Um, But I really like season five. I don't think they made the best decisions all around, but they I think they season five did a good job of showing the girls trying to get their independence from each other, from their parents, and like um even from their partners. Cause even when they start dating Tyreek and Jordan, they still have their own goals and aspirations. Yeah. So um we we sing a more ambitious Tamara this season as well. Tamara's a little bit less flighty this season. Like she's working with the school newspaper. She's got her extracurriculars down. She's taking her academics a bit more seriously as well. Um this um helps her get into state. And this season, Tia's biggest decision is whether to go to state or whether to go to the Ivy League and leave her sister behind. Yeah, I know. Very, like, it's very, yeah. Hard choices. Um, hard, hard choices. This is also the last time we see Marques Houston as part of the main cast. But Tia ultimately makes a decision to stay with her sister. And that's how we end season five of Sister, Sister. Um, we didn't talk about this with season four but do you have favorite episodes of season five um i do uh i do have some favorite episodes uh so i really like designer jeans which is like our opener beverly peel guest star she's like a really she was like a really famous black model at the time she's definitely one of those og girls of the 90s uh so check her out i like three working girls um which is where (laughs) Ray's girl, like Ray's girlfriend, like we 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 finally meet her, and it's it's just funny. Um, eight popular mechanic, twelve in sickness and in health, eighteen I have a dream, uh, nineteen you had to be there, 
19 is actually essentially like a little send off episode for Roger. Um, and it's mm-hmm. really cute. 20 prom night, which is where John B guest stars. And <laughs> I just think it's so funny that John B was on this show. And it's a really cute uh, episode. And then 21 shoeless, which is basically like sister, sister, but make it Cinderella. And it's really, and there's like a whole dance sequence at the end that is really cute. I hate musicals, but if there were more like a legitimate choreographed um, dance sequences, I would be into that. Uh, Cause I really, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this one. Um, and then 22, Graduation. Yeah, those are all great episodes. I'd probably say all of those as well. Um, and I would add episode five, It's My Party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, season five I thought was very good. Um, I'm going to give season five a, the good minus, actually. I don't think mm. it was as good as season four, but it was good. The show still felt like it was the same show. That matters a lot to me, that the tone of a show doesn't shift unnecessarily. Right. I'm I'm also sticking with a, a good minus for season five as well. Yeah, I feel that. Last season of Sister, Sister, season six, also... 22 episodes um and this is the twins this season covers the twins freshman year at the university of michigan um i think this is the the weakest season of the show agree (laughs) i don't know i don't know what i'm sorry to be shady i said that so fast agreed though I don't know what it is about like final seasons but like they're either tour de force forces like cannot like can't stop won't stop or they're you know just like they're not good they're not that good oh i know what it is about final seasons y'all need to know when to end the show first of all (laughs) and you have to end the show before our protagonists and their extended family are in radically different places in life i reference the sitcom a lot because they got the timing just right it's my favorite sitcom for a reason. Malcolm in the Middle. When did that show end? Not after Malcolm's first, second, or third year of college. It ended when Malcolm graduated high school, moved away from his family, and finally figured out what Lois had been trying to teach him all these years. I mean, yeah, it's a satisfying ending. I mean, for like, sure. Like, you just can't. You you move the twins from their home because they're living in the dorms now, Right. Right. Um, yeah, they're living in the dorms now. Ray and Lisa are still at home. So now we have, we, we, we are dealing with this, the sets and the scenery. Um, they're in college classes, which look different than high school classrooms. Um, you know, they have different jobs at different locations, like the campus bookstore. So you've taken the same characters and essentially placed them in what feels like a different show. Right, and it's and I I also think something about at least particularly about sister sister is that, and I think this is the same problem with um I guess to compare it to one of its counterparts once again Sabrina the Teenage Witch, um it the show just didn't want to grow up like and it needed to if you were gonna keep if they were gonna keep getting older, um there's something about. Yeah, there's something about the show it that sister sister. It still feels like they're in high school. Like I don't even, I don't feel like they're in college. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have to agree with that as well. I don't feel like the the glow the college glow up on them. And I think it's a couple reasons. The sets don't feel collegiate to me. Um, and you know they're dragging along their high school boyfriends, Tyreek and, and Jordan. That's definitely part of it. I I also think another part of it is just sort of like, I think, I don't think the show knows what to do with like, I don't think the show understood how to make a situational, how to make a situational comedy out of like things that happen in college. Right. And you know what? That's, I think that's another part of it. There's no campus life to season six of Sister, Sister, which is a huge part of college. 
Like, yeah, Michigan University is a big ass school too. Don't play with me right now. <laughs> right. Like, there, and I think it's so, it just, it wasn't working. Like, and like you said, like, it's everyone's so separate now. Like, the girls are at college, but then like their parents are, like, it, it just, it wasn't, it needed to end in high school. And I mean, or it needed to find some sort of cohesion. And, and I don't hate them because, like we said, that's a very hard thing to do. Like, it's a hard, hard thing to do. That that transition stage between high school and college, like, nobody gets it right. And even then, the few people who do get it right, uh, and this is, like, a cross-genre. Like, it doesn't matter what we're talking about, right? Like, I mean, Dawson, any, any sh- show that starts in high school, whether it's drama or comedy, they all have this issue. Um, but Sister, Sister just seemed like they didn't want to address it. And I think that's a part of the, a big part of the problem as well. Right. And, you know, more on your point about sitcoms, you know, Dawson's Creek didn't get it right. The OC didn't get it quite right either. Um, but it's, they still had more wiggle room because they're dramas. College is an experience that we inherently think of as dramatic and trans transitionatory. Um, so Getting that right in a sitcom is next to impossible. Sorry about it. Right. Sorry about that. Hit that. But, um, uh. and this wasn't uh, any different. But there are some highlights. But this season, um, Ron Rickley and Dion Richmond are added to the opening credits. Hey. Yeah. Hey, look at that series regular come up. Love that for them. We love that. Get your checks, boo. Get your checks. Um, but this seat, the, the, the first half of the season was, 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 can be summarized as the girls, um, transitioning to living away from home and living in college and making new friends in college. Um, the middle is having their relationships with Tyreek and Jordan tested. And then the end is the girls actually meeting their biological father. Right. That was right. They meet their biological father, which is like huge. Right. I thought it was interesting that I think it was I think it was Tamara was like, he's not our dad. He's white. And I'm like, sis. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, so they they actually learned something that quite a few adoptees have talked about. Like they weren't given away by parents who didn't want them. Their parents are in a long-distance relationship. Things got muddy. Um, Their mother gave them up for adoption because she couldn't handle raising two kids. Their father realized that she'd had these kids, um, but because he couldn't prove that he was his father because his name wasn't on the birth certificate, he couldn't find his kids. This is very, very, very common with biological fathers. Um, And, um, you know, he wants a relationship with his daughters. And in true sister-sister fashion, they end up integrating their their biological father into this family, as well as Lisa's new husband. But yeah, she gets engaged to Victor Sims, and Lisa gets her happily ever after. And I think I wanted this for Lisa more than I even wanted it for Ray, because, you know, Lisa, Ray hasn't been that successful in love since his wife's passing, but he had that great love, right? And he's got this, this he's got his own home and he's got a successful business. I just wanted Lisa to win, y'all. <laughs> Same. And you know what? Like the fact that it does end like with a wedding, I think is in Lisa's wedding is a satisfying ending for the show to me. Right. It was a little murky there in a lot of the episodes in this season, but that was a very satisfying ending. And we got to see Roger again. He guest starred on this one episode singing at Lisa's wedding. And we do get our 227 reference where um, someone calls Lisa Sandra twice. (laughs) (laughs) It was really, really cool to have it end that way because... I feel like everyone's happy. You know, Ray's got his business and he's got that girlfriend, Vivica, and things seem to be going well between them. Um, The twins have even more parents now. They have some connection with their, their, their biological father. And through him, they can learn more about their mother because in previous seasons, they did try to find their mother, right? Right. Um, they, They ended up only finding one of the murals that she painted. Right. 
so now they can actually get to know their identical family. So that was um that was that was really satisfying um I think for the girls as well that they got to have this closure about who they are and where they come from. I agree. Same. That was really great and it was really satisfying to me like as a viewer and it was just all stuff that I loved. What are some of your favorite episodes of season 6? Season six. Okay. I like Home Sweet Dorm. It's the opener. It's good. Um, I like the domino effect. Uh, That's a fun one. Uh, Greek to me is good. 10 for the people. 15 Father's Day. 16. I know what you did in drama class. I really like that every um 90s sitcom has some sort of reference to I know what you did last summer that must have been like like that horror movie really must have been it like oh yeah that movie hit different we couldn't stop talking about it like we must have really loved like uh that one um in the sequel as well uh, to be honest but um because we didn't talk about it on the Boy Meets World episode, but, like, and then there was Sean is also, like, a whole episode dedicated to I Know What You Did Last Summer, uh, which is hilarious. But, um, uh, number 18, Freaknik. I love that uh, Freaknik is an episode and that they go to Freaknik is, like, part on this show. Freaknik was a moment in time that will never be recaptured ever again, but it's important. It's an important one. Um, and I like that there's something, and I really appreciate, and it's interesting because, like, Freaknik is, like, only, there's no real, like, sort of cultural document, like, in terms of, like, a television show or a movie that I think, or not, there, I shouldn't say there are none because, like, here it is, um, but there aren't a lot of, like, in a television show or a movie that, like, references Freaknik, but it was, like, uh, like we have it in songs and like rap videos and stuff because like, but like Freaknik was like such a huge moment in time, like mm-hmm. in like everything like that just happened and it's weird that we don't have any cultural markers for it a lot that show up, um, because we have like twenty billion you know there are twenty billion movies about like oh we're all going to Woodstock right, mm-hmm. um and Freaknik was just like I think just like it was that huge and it's weird that like there are not a lot of like stuff that like oh we're going like you know is this making any sense it does but we know why it's because freaknik was black Um, (laughs) yeah it's because it was black people but i I think it's telling that the only other show that references freaknik was actually a different world except one of our characters on that show wanted to go with her homegirls and her dad who's a cop was like no I don't I'm not okay with what happens there you're not going (laughs) right and so at least the the fact that sister sister lives on and that like it um and people can like I guess get an idea of it uh because like I said there's there's really truly nothing that really captures it um I that's nice to me because it was it was like it was such a huge I mean you were talking about like a festival or like um a thing that was like so huge that like white people who don't even live in this city like squashed it like they, like who it didn't even really affect them they were like no this will never happen ever again like so Those neat girls are jigabooing too much over there <laughs> over there stop it <laughs> in that city <laughs> they have to stop it um and it's such a huge thing about and it's and of course because i'm from atlanta like it's such a huge thing about atlanta and like culture in Atlanta and like so I appreciate it also Maya in Black Street like appear in it singing that Rugrats song <laughs> take me there I want to go there <laughs> so I think I was like in sixth or seventh grade when that song hit and like it was everywhere <laughs> god like, that's that almost like a hit like can we talk but okay about- but, but let's be real it was built on a foundation of greatness the Rugrats theme song hits different don't lie <laughs> So if you're sampling the Rugrats theme song, you're already on the right path. Like, it's what it's so wild to me that like <laughs> a song that like some Nickelodeon was like, "Hey Maya, hey Blackstreet, can you write a song for like the Rugrats movie?" And they're like, "Bet we got this." <laughs> like, and then it was this huge like hit. 
that like was a real <laughs> oh my gosh Love it. listen you know what shout out to the r&b people not the r&b people but shout out to r&b artists and like kid networks like they really did it like when you think about the Rugrats theme song and then the All That theme song, like, that TLC did, like... Right. And we got to thank Nickelodeon for really putting these urban artists on. Like, Nickelodeon made it cool for R&B um, girls and boys and actual rappers to appear on kids' shows. Right. And it's like... Um, and I mean, I think about Coolio and Keenan and Kel, which Keenan and Kel also sort of show up as, like, their... Uh, Keenan and Kel selves I think on season five of Sister Sister there's like an episode but like their theme as well just like all these themes and it's interesting this is something I was thinking about a lot like the other night and I was like I wonder how that happened but like um it actually just make like I mean shout out to Nickelodeon for putting them on uh but it also just makes sense to introduce like uh, for like a rapper or like an R&B person or like or any artist in general to like do like a kid's theme because like you're introducing yourself to like a young audience in a safe way so that when they grow up and they're actually ready for your music like you have like a you already have like a built-in brand loyalty it's actually a really smart like marketing decision when you think about it the road less traveled and then uh 22 fly away home that's that's it for me I want to say that my favorites would have to be episode one, Home Sweet Dorm, episode three, Home Court Advantage, episode six, Bum Rap, which guest stars Goody Mob, <laughs> another great Atlanta band. I know. An Atlanta hip hop group. Episode nine, My Father's House, where Tamara tries to get Jordan to go to church. Kirk Franklin stars on that episode. Yes. <laughs> we got to make him stop. And man, they, he was really like a bigger star than anybody else on this show at that time. I mean, Kirk Franklin like surpasses, like he, he transcends genre. He's, I mean, he's Kirk Franklin. Right. But yeah, literally everybody that we just talked about, like they were eclipsed by Kirk Franklin at that time. Everybody was talking about Kirk Franklin. People that didn't go to church were listening to Stomp. I still listen to Kirk Franklin records. I haven't been to church in years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Episode 15, Father's Day. This is the episode where the twins meet their father, who is a visiting photojournalist. Episode 18, Freak Nick, also. All the ones you said, and probably episode 20, Let Them Eat Cupcakes. Sister, Sister is a time, it's another time capsule. It's just like, it's another cool time capsule, like, to sort of examine, like, I think, Black life in the 90s. Or, in, in, I guess, specifically for, like, Black girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, watching the show was really good because we talk about this a lot when it comes to movies but I also think for sitcoms um, 70s, 80s, 90s that was a golden era where like black characters could be black black shows were written in a way that was believably black um, and that's no longer the case right um, like it is and it isn't and it's it's I don't know if it's good or bad I think you can make cases for like both but um, it's it's just definitely something to think on, to ruminate on, I guess, as we're continuing forward in our in the hellscape that is 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I think it's yeah, I think sister sister's cool. Like if you want to, like uh, if you if you're looking for sort of like cultural markers like and you're looking specifically for black cultural markers in the in like the 90s I think Sister Sister is definitely a show you should in your research Sister Sister is a show you should you should visit and look at yeah I'm going to hard hard agree on that one um it definitely is a time capsule uh, uh a simpler time for black sitcoms, I believe a better time. Um, but definitely uh-huh. check out the show. This last season, I'm gonna give that the, the season a good minus. And the only thing that saved it from basic for me was Lisa's wedding and the reappearance of Roger and the twins finding their father. Same. Like it's it's almost a basic for me as well. But like 
uh, for those reasons as well, I'm going to give it a good minus. Yeah, but um, I won't say that the show fell off. It just ran its course. And I think those are very different things. It Same. ran its course. <laughs> yeah, agree. Agree, it ran its course. Um, and there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the last half of Sister Sister good bad, basic, and memorable. If you'd like to check out this hilarious series, Sister Sister is currently streaming on Netflix. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you've enjoyed the, this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be continuing our throwback season with part one of our discussion of the ubiquitous Moesha. Moesha is currently streaming on Netflix if you'd like to check or relive this series before then. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on your preferred major podcast platform to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our episodes air first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.